Hi everyone, I'm Miles. And I'm Christine. And this is Uni Life with Canvas Nottingham. In this episode, Christine and I are going to talk about some of the specific challenges we've all faced since COVID arrived on the scene and some of the things we've learned along the way. In the process of this, looking back in the past six to eight months, we hope to equip ourselves for the journey moving forward. That's right. It kind of feels like we're entering into phase two of this COVID season. And what I mean by that is, at least in the UK, back in March, COVID kind of arrived uh, and things started to close down over time. And then the summer rolled around and things started to open and restrictions started to lift and it felt really good. And now, uh, as of the past few weeks, we've kind of re-entered a second phase of increased regulations and restrictions and our spheres are shrinking and the things we're able to do is are very limited. And so that's what I mean by phase two. And I agree. I think this is a great opportunity for us just to take a pause, to look back, to ask ourselves some questions about what we learned from our challenges that we faced already and see if we can do this a little bit better and differently as we go forward. So what is something that you have learned in the past eight months? As we were talking about this phase one of lockdown, as you said, before we hit the summer where things opened up a bit. What is something you learned over that time period? So before I answer, I think it would be helpful if I kind of set the stage as to where I was when COVID hit. And I think that would be helpful to give a little context. So in January, my, I was I started a sabbatical, which is this uh, time away from Canvas and it is a natural, normal part of uh, kind of the self-care program that our organization uses. And so after you work so many years at Canvas, you're encouraged to take a sabbatical, which is usually around six months. And you step away from Canvas during that time to focus on things like reconnecting with financial supporters, retooling and equipping yourself and learning new things and then also refreshing. And so in January I started that, I had planned the most epic, incredibly adventurous bomb.com sabbatical <laughs> you could ever dream of. And I was enjoying that. I was about two months in, two and a half months, and I was preparing to go to South America in the middle of March. And then my company that I work for banned all non-essential international travel two days before my flight. And that's basically when my sabbatical adventure derailed and became a, I don't want to say a COVID nightmare, although that does sound really like <laughs> dramatic. Um, but that's when COVID uh, intercepted my sabbatical and totally changed. And so I ended up spending it in America, which is where I was. I was not planning to be there for as long of a period of time as I ended up being. But I was there in the middle of March and I stayed there until the middle of July. Wow. And during, 
I know, right? It's the longest I've been in America in seven years. So it was a very unexpected. How did that feel though? Like to go from like having these plans of the bomb.com, as you said, to being stuck in America. Yes, it was a shock at first. Like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, I can't, my initial response was like, I, I now can't fulfill the purpose of my sabbatical. Like, I'm not able to go and meet with my uh, financial supporters in person. I'm not able to travel and learn new things like I had planned on. And so what, now I'm supposed to refresh it full time in the middle of a global pandemic? Are you kidding? And so that was kind of my initial response. Um, And it was also strange because I had so many plans. Like I had a my um, iCal on my computer was full of my sabbatical plans. And I remember being in these moments where I'm like, part of me just wants to delete them all and just have like a blank calendar going forward. And then the other part of me though knew that, that I needed to kind of mourn and grieve the loss of those. And so I kept all of my plans on my calendar and kind of it walked me through, I think, a little bit of the, the grieving process of the loss that I, of all of those fun things that I had been that I did get to do. So the initial part of it was really difficult um, coming to terms with like, it was, a, we didn't know what was happening in general in the world at that point in time. I remember watching the news and it was like new things were happening in Um, being discovered and uh, news was being reported so frequently and it was just like moment by moment. And so, yeah, it was, I felt very overwhelmed at that point in time. So the first part of your COVID experience was sort of mourning what you expected 2020 to look like. How Mm -hmm. did you then adapt to what it ended up becoming for you? Mm Mm-hmm. So I would say for the first few weeks, it was just like, what is happening? And then at the beginning of April, I feel like I started kind of creating a new rhythm. And I think that came out of realizing like, oh, this isn't like temporary. Like I, all of my plans hadn't been totally canceled at that point in time, but I was like beginning to gain a bigger more accurate understanding of like what COVID could potentially mean for my sabbatical. And that meant like I couldn't do any of my traveling. And so I was like, okay, so I'm basically stuck in this random town in Georgia. I was staying with my dad at the time. And I, long story short, I started to develop a completely different rhythm of life. It was almost like I felt like everything was stripped back, almost like you had peeled back all the layers of an onion and it just left like the basics of life. Like you can only, you know, I can't do I don't have a job to do really at this point in time, not like a normal canvas job, at least I can only hang out with the person that I live with. (laughs) I, you know, have access to 
sleeping and eating and going for walks. And so those were kind of the things that I ended up creating. Oh, and reading. I did a lot of that. And so I created this new kind of rhythm throughout my day, which really revolved around eating lunch with my dad in the afternoon and then going for a long walk after that. And that was kind of what anchored my days. Um, And I... I think the greatest thing that came from my COVID sabbatical experience was it forced me to into a season of real simplicity. And I would have never chosen that for myself. But what I learned from that is there's so much good in living simply and focusing on a few basic things. Like before I would always have, um, as far as like a form of exercise would have always been like running or training for a run or going to a gym and doing gym classes and like always pushing myself. That was the kind of general goal. And I had never experienced just like the benefit of walking day after day after day. And I don't know. It's really hard to articulate how valuable it is, but I would so recommend it. It has continued to be a part of my life rhythm um, even now. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I learned from the, at the beginning. That there's just a goodness in the simplicity and the, like the daily rhythms of life instead of making everything bigger and better. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like really learning to be present and to savor the simple joys in life. So I have a question I'm curious about. Uh, We're both Mm -hmm. Christians. And Mm -hmm. how did your faith um, change or what did you learn about God and how did you grow in that area during 2020? Mm -hmm. So I actually was going for a walk last week with a friend and she asked me this similar question and it gave me an opportunity to kind of process a little bit of what I had experienced. And so I'll tell you the same thing I told her, which is, I think, so I grew up um, in a Christian family. I became a Christian, decided to follow Jesus at a young age And so in some ways, Christianity has like always, you know, been a part of my life. And these Christian practices that um, are encouraged either through the Bible or through church or through every Christian talk you've heard or Christian podcast. I mean, it's just like I think over my 31 years of life, I have been um, just over, I don't know if overwhelmed, inundated with like all of these things. I've like collected them. You know, you would go to this, hear this person speak and they would talk about the benefit of, um, you know, reading your Bible every day. And this person would talk about, you know, the benefit of praying this way, specifically this way. And, you know, don't just ask for things, but be thankful. And, um, then you would hear this talk and it would say something else that you should do as a a Christian. And so I think I had just accumulated all of those things like in my mind and in my conscience. And at that point in time, 
I think I have, I'm like overloaded with these things, right? And I think at some points along the way, a lot of them were really helpful. Like in that season of life, like there would be a different thing that I would be focusing on and growing in. And that was really beneficial. And now I feel like at this point in my life, uh, the way that I explained it to my friend last week is like, if you're a runner and you move to a new city, at least when I move to a new city and I'm going for my first run, I'm most likely going to look on a map and I'm going to figure out, you know, this is generally how far I'm going to run. And this is probably where I'm going to run because I don't know my way around and I don't really want to get lost and I don't want to look at a map the whole time I'm running. And so I just like plan my route ahead of time. But over time, when I'm running in an area repetitively, I try to run down all of the different streets and I like figure out kind of everything that surrounds me. And then when I go for runs, I don't need to create a a route because I know the area well enough where I can just make it up as I go along. And I think there's a real freedom in, in that once you kind of are able to run with no um, route predetermined. Similarly, in my relationship with Jesus, as I have grown throughout my, my, in my Christian journey, I have had moments where I have really needed, you know, predetermined, pre-planned routes, like do this, put this into practice, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I think those things are still all good. And also because I had so many of them, I wasn't really taking the opportunity to enjoy the real freedom in this relationship that I have with God that is very personal and special and awesome. And I think there's so much to uncover just with me and God, not with somebody else telling me what to do, but just for me to have the freedom to explore and um yeah, engage with God in ways that feel natural to me. And so that to me is like running freely in this area that you know really well. It's like there is no game plan. You kind of make it up as you go along. And so that's the transition that I've kind of embarked on, I think, during the COVID season in my faith is going from kind of this regimented um, plan by somebody else to like the freedom to do my own thing. But you've just developed this new way of being. Yeah, I think so. And like discovering God in different ways. Like, I think it's so easy to try to put God in a box. But he's like, God is so much more than all of these Christians, Christian things that we talk about or the things that the so much more than just the ways that we say like, oh, you should engage with God this way or engage with God that way. And it's like, God's beyond all of that. And so I think not allowing that to be what like limits my interactions with God. Oh yeah. God's so much bigger than any box we can put God into. Mm -hmm. Yep. So what about you, Miles? What has been your experience of like the past eight months and who have you experienced this with? For me, it's really been... A similar but different journey than you. Uh, I've had uh, two housemates for the majority of this experience. 
one person, Matt Proctor, and his sister, Jenny Proctor. And I've known Matt for almost my entire time living in Nottingham the past four years. And we've grown to become really good friends, and we lived together for the past two years. And his sister moved in with us at the beginning of lockdown. And during this time, it just became really apparent something God was mentioning to me is try to love the people closest to me. During COVID, my sphere of people I could interact with on a day-to-day basis was very limited. It was the people I worked with and the people I lived with. And there was just this um, message I kept on receiving day in and day out. Try to love those people well. Try to understand them better, listen to them, give them the benefit of the doubt, and try to just love and serve them well. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of ways like we want to change the world and make the world a better place. But it really begins with loving the people around us in our, in our day-to-day lives. And a big way for me to able to love those people well that I learned during this season is trying to feel my emotions properly. Uh, my emotions don't give me the ability to just act out of them and just be a jerk to the people around me. Just because something very unfortunate happened to me today doesn't mean I get to go home and just say mean things to Matt tonight. That doesn't give me an excuse to do that. However, I need to feel the sadness, the anger, the frustration, the losses of things that have been difficult this year. Like for this year, I wasn't able to go see my family in America. And that was really sad. And it is sad. And it's still sad looking forward because it I don't know when I will see them. But in that sadness, if I feel that sadness, then it won't dictate how I treat other people in my life. Mm. It's not just a hidden emotion just underneath the surface that sort of pops out when I don't want it to pop out. I don't just shove it down deep. And at the same time, when I'm experiencing it, I try to do it in a safe environment so I don't just act out of it when I treat and interact with other people. So I really learned about like trying to love these people that I do life with day in and day out well. And from there, I can better love and serve a greater um, community, the wider community of people I might not see it every day. So how about you? Like you, I mean, I talked a bit about the people I was living with. You talked about living with your dad in uh, Georgia. How was that? It was interesting. It was the first time that I have lived with one of my parents since moving to England seven years ago. And so as you can imagine, I'm sure some people experienced this uh, as well (coughs) during the quarantine was you know, moving in with parents unexpectedly and kind of re-entering that family dynamic. And something that was challenging during that time was just showing up and being real and being vulnerable. And because he was the only person I was with consistently and he was kind of all I had in person. And so it was, there was a, you know, a period of time where I found it really hard to uh, be vulnerable because we just haven't done life, you know, day in and day out together for a long time. And eventually I, you know, took some baby steps in that direction and of course saw the benefit in, you know, letting him into kind of how I was experiencing 
um, this very strange season we've all been in. And so, um, yeah, that was kind of what it was like being with my dad. And then quick, quick follow-up question to that. Oh, um, okay. I'm just curious. Uh, it's been a while since you regularly lived with your dad, as you said. Mm. It, is it hard? You've changed a lot, I assume, in the, since the time period you regularly lived with him. Mm -hmm. uh, is it hard for you to be a, this different person when they might remember you in a different way, in a different form? Like your family isn't always there for all of your transformations in life. Yes, I do think that there are moments of that. I don't think I experienced loads of those moments uh, with my dad specifically. We are quite similar and we get along pretty well. We have a very close relationship. And so because of that, we have kept in touch. Like we FaceTime. I FaceTimed him earlier to tell him that I had passed my driving test and things like that while he was eating breakfast before he went to work. And so we do have this, like he does know me and has journeyed through, uh, the, you know, the past seven years with me just from afar being together in person just brings up different things, just like in any roommate housemate situation, you just are in this, you know, <laughs> space and you see them every day and there are certain things that like you just do differently. And so there definitely took, you know, it took some time to get on the same page, uh, but he's also a pretty laid back person. So he didn't get too um, uptight about the things I wanted to do differently. So <laughs> it ended up being a, a very good match during the. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved our time together. That's great. Um, so that was your time in America. What has your time being back in England looked like? Mm -hmm. So I flew back in the middle of July and was required to quarantine for two weeks. And wow. I did that in my flat, which I had left. Um, it was just empty while I was away in America. And so I returned to my flat where I normally live alone and was very alone for two weeks. And thankfully I had like friends drop stuff by and uh, like from obviously far away and just to wave from a distance. And that, you know, was the most intense period of isolation. And I continue to live alone at this point in time. And that has provided some new challenges. Like there were challenges, like I mentioned that I faced with my dad, living with my dad. And now that my situation has changed, I'm facing new challenging things like loneliness is a, a huge one. And so I think I just want to point out if you are frustrated or have come up against certain things now that are different than before, I think it's important to take note of those and assess, you know, how does that make you feel? And also, what is there, you know, what can you do in the midst of that new challenge? Because it's going to require you, it has required me to respond in a different way 
what I did to get along with my dad is obviously going to be different than what I need to do to cope with living alone um, in the midst of restrictions from being able to see people in person. Yeah, that what happened in March isn't the same thing that's happening now and moving forward. So you can't just copy and paste what worked back then. Yes, definitely. I listened to the episode last week when you talked to Gary and I had been worried about being alone and not being able to have much people interaction. And then when he mentioned that what he had noticed throughout COVID was that people living alone were having the hardest time. I was like, oh crap, that's me. It was like he confirmed my fear. And so I think sometimes it's helpful when people confirm this thought that you've had that you haven't verbalized because it kind of caught like made me stop and think about it and like really take ownership like, oh, this is something not just that I'm thinking about, but it's a reality. And how do I feel about that? What am I going to do about it? Um, so that was really helpful. I really enjoyed listening to you guys. Thanks. Uh, and voicing that just sort of puts into perspective almost the things we have to face instead of something imagined in our head all along. And I think we're sometimes scared to do that. Oh, yeah. Hard things are so... Uh, I want to avoid them so much. And so if it's just a thought, it's like, oh, well, maybe that's not really going to be the case. And so I can just kind of ignore it a little bit. But when a trained professional says it out loud, you're like, ooh, I can't just totally deny that anymore. I think I'm confronted with the reality. And I think it's important to confront difficult things head on. Absolutely. I think what you said is absolutely true, that we all have different ways of coping and different ways of dealing with all of these things. So I wanted to reflect a bit on the first wave, the uh, phase one a bit more, and some of the Mm -hmm. lessons and what you learned during this time period that you would like to implement in the months ahead so Mm -hmm. you can have a better experience, I guess, in phase two. Uh, Mm -hmm. as we enter into this second wave, let's say. Yes. So one thing that I learned is be gentle and kind to yourself. I'm going to say that again. Be gentle and kind to yourself. Sometimes we can be our own hardest critic, harshest critic, our own worst enemy. I think we can set really unrealistic expectations of ourselves. I remember there along the way, there have been conversations about, you know, people trying to really exceed and be just incredibly productive or achieve some new, really difficult goal during quarantine. And I don't think that's what we need at this time. I think what we need is someone to be kind and gentle to us because we're going through a hard period of time. And I think in that, if we can set our expectation of being a learner in this new experience, rather than trying to succeed all the time, I think we will discover that we are have the ability to learn new things 
along the way. And that's really exciting, I think, when you do discover some new stuff that you're learning. And it just creates this forward motion of taking one step after another step and, you know, picking up some knowledge and growth along the way. And um, I think the key to kind of engaging in that forward momentum is being kind and gentle to yourself. So changing the expectation of succeeding to becoming a learner is the how to be a kind and gentle. Is that what you would say? I think it's one way that you can be kind and gentle to yourself is not setting unrealistic expectations for yourself. And I think that when you do something for the first time, you are not going to be proficient in it. You are going to be a learner. And so I think addressing yourself as a learner and not an expert in a season that is new is important. Mm -hmm. So you've been very honest about your experiences so far. Uh, how does vulnerability and being honest with yourself um, play into this uh, way of moving forward? I think it's so important. It's not just important for me as an individual or you as an individual, like you gave the example earlier about feeling your sadness so that you don't um, dump it on someone else later, not dump your sadness necessarily, but like act, react maybe out of the difficult emotion feeling. I think if we are able to choose to engage emotionally with ourselves and check in and get real and ask ourselves questions like, you know, what am I feeling in this moment and what is it connected to? I think all of those like self-discovery questions uh, provide some intentional emotional engagement and allow us to process our emotions. And I think that is so important um, in will affect the way that we in, show up in different situations and also the way that we interact with the people around us. For me personally, I know that if I'm avoiding emotional engagement because some things are hard or I'm feeling afraid or something like that, I become super prickly and I'm just not a nice, like who wants to snuggle up next to a porcupine? Eh, not me. Um, but that's like kind of how I show up in those moments. And so uh, a great way to do that, I think, is to journal, uh, to write down what it is that you're feeling or thinking or uh, yeah, just I think just start with like, what is on my mind at the moment? And like, put it down on paper and go from there, see where it takes you. How has this process grown in the past eight months even? Have you been able to grow in journaling and just be vulnerable or is it just changed at all? I wouldn't say it's changed much in the past eight months, but my journey of journaling totally transformed. Uh, initially, like when I was young, I had those really awesome diaries with the locks on them that all have the same key. <laughs> so cool. Um, and they didn't couldn't tear the pages out well. It looked terrible when you did. But I was just I didn't care really. I didn't really understand the purpose of journaling at that point in time, like the benefit of it. I just would like write things down and then not really like it or whatever and wait six months and then rip them out, <laughs> which was not helpful. Um, 
now I feel like when I show up to journal, it's for the purpose of getting out my thoughts and my emotions and processing. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter if it's long or if it's short. Um, It doesn't matter if it's the same every day or different every day. The purpose of it is to be honest and to be real and whatever that looks like. And I think that yeah, that that changes. I think just showing up and seeing, you know, some days I write five pages, some days I write like five words, you know, you just, it's different. And I think it has uh, created a pathway for me to emotionally engage better. Before, in, a, in past Christine years, uh, I was very similar to the main girl on the holiday when she's sitting at her desk and has found out that her, I think it was her husband, had cheated on her. And she's like trying to feel the, the emotions. And it's like, oh, like trying to get tears to come out. That's how I used to be. Um, and I would find it so hard to engage with the emotion that was attached to whatever I had experienced and just slowly but surely trying to reconnect those emotional wires in me um, through like journaling and being vulnerable has really helped. Thanks for sharing from your experience. Uh, Before we get to our final wrap up questions in a minute, do you have Mm -hmm. any final thoughts or lessons or things you've learned in the past eight months that would really be helpful to anybody else experiencing this difficult season? Yeah, my encouragement to you would be to try to be present each and every moment, take them one at a time. I think showing up in the moment and just being with whoever you're with not being on your phone or distracted um, or just always having information coming in at you. I think just pausing and taking moments to like be totally present, take note of how you're feeling. And um, I think also with that showing up the next day, thinking about how it's a new day, rather, I think if you're able to be present in the moment, then you can process kind of along the way and you don't have as much to like carry with you. It doesn't always happen that way, but I think, um, yeah, sometimes we can disengage from present moment and then like eventually all of that stuff we disengage from is going to catch up to us. And so I think try your best to stay engaged in the moment, to stay present and to remind yourself that each day is a new day. So give yourself a clean slate be kind and gentle to yourself. And I hope that it goes well for you. I think that's super encouraging. Like the past eight months could have been completely awful and you feel like you didn't hit the mark. And guess what? Today's a new day and it can be the day it changes for something better. Mm-hmm. And but I think too, like in the, it being a new day is like this new exploration, you know, it's not like I'm assuming today is going to be just like yesterday and feeling this like sense of despair, but like 
being open to like, who knows what today of all of the seasons, it, this is an unexpected season. Each day can be there's a totally, yeah. And it's totally unknown. And I think that there can be some fun and excitement in, in where that leads you. I think just try to be open to the possibility of it. Thanks for sharing. Uh, so before we finish, I have some final questions for you. Sounds good. The first rapid fire question. Community is a place where you can belong and be accepted for exactly who you are. What is your favorite takeaway? So I do really like Chinese, but you already said that one. So I'm going to switch it up and say fish and chips. I think I would go with either George's probably would be my number one. And if not, cod scallops in Nottingham. Interesting. It's a pretty good top two. Uh, mm. Number three, what are you currently binging at the moment? So I have already finished it because that's how uh, <laughs> efficient of a binger I am. Uh, but it's called Dream Home Makeover, and it's only like six episodes. But okay. it's a so we're not talking about six seasons in uh, one oh, day. No, 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 no. no. Um, yes, it's a home renovation show, and I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. Number four. What are you grateful for in the midst of COVID? I am grateful for discovering good in kind of forced situations. Like I would have never chosen to be in some of the situations that I am, have found myself at least, and through being forced in those situations. Um, for example, like being in America for a long period of time or not being able to have an adventurous sabbatical. I think because of the loss in those moments, I gained certain things I wouldn't have otherwise. And I think that has been really, really awesome. <clears throat> and finally, a would you rather question in honor of your license, one of the options <laughs> involved the car. Would you rather never be stuck in traffic again? Or never get another cold? Ooh, uh, never get another cold for sure. Uh, especially if COVID is included in that. Uh, sign me no we're, we're, up. no, we're not counting that. That's a okay. different, different thing. Well, uh, yeah. Even though I'm from Atlanta, I would take the traffic over the cold. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you all for joining us for this week's episode of Uni Life with Canvas Nottingham. If you have thoughts about this episode, we'd love to hear them and send us a message at unilife at canvashouse.org. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. And for more information about Canvas, check out our Facebook and Instagram at Canvas Nottingham. Talk to you next week. See ya. Bye. <laughs>